Welcome to the PT Student Compass and your next step to moving in the right direction to achieve success in PT school. My name is Simon Murphy and I'm a current first year physical therapy student who is studying in Australia at Bond University. Today's episode is all about physical therapy student burnout. Gabby and Sarah from the Gratitude Podcast are here to join me as we lay out what student burnout actually looks like and what it may feel like. Both of them are physical therapy students and are doing amazing things for PT students. By the end of the podcast, we hope you can identify a bit with what may actually cause your personal burnout. And at the same time, we hope you leave us today with some next steps to ensure an enjoyable PT student career and also a high level success in grad school. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I guess I'll just start off with kind of a, a bit of a, kind of a bit of an intro in terms of um, how I found out about you guys. Um, so like I started the PT Student Compass probably would have been, I'd say about four or five months ago in the middle of um, my second semester of, uh, of PT school. Um, and I mean, I was posting content on and off and I wasn't super happy with the content, um, but I knew there was, there was good purpose in behind in, in doing the content. Um, and then after I've had, I've been on Christmas break for the last four or five weeks. Um, and it's, it's quite expensive to fly home, um, because I'm originally from New Brunswick in Canada. So it's, it's like just over two grand to fly home at Christmas time. So I was like, I'll just hold off and, and uh, wait till I'm actually done my full PT degree before I kind of go back and do a celebration lap in Canada. Um, so this, this Christmas break, I've just kind of found a new vision in terms of how to, how to put content on, on Instagram and, and kind of just switching gears in terms of um, what I actually want to post. And then I, kind of just been searching through Instagram and I found you guys um, and listened to a couple of your podcasts. Um, and I mean, you guys have a hundred podcasts, which is insane. Like <laughs> that's crazy. Um, and then just kind of the, the message and the vision you guys were actually um, putting off was pretty much aligned with me. And you guys added a little bit of a, a, a kind of debt component to it, which I was quite interested to. So, um, why don't you guys just start off with a bit of an intro about your guys' uh, self individually, and then we'll kind of go from there. Either of you. Hey, <laughs> what? Go ahead. It's all you. Okay. All right. First of all, can you hear me okay? I sure can. Okay, great. So, background about me. I am a second-year physical therapy student in a small town in North Carolina called High Point. And I go to High Point University, DPT program. And that's where I currently am today, graduate in 2021. So really looking forward, forward to it. And uh, I did my undergrad degree in Charleston, South Carolina. So some of you may know Charleston as a big tourist city. And yes, I did go to college there, College of Charleston, and it was, an amazing four years. Um, and in between uh, undergrad and grad school, I wanted to take a gap year because I was just burnt out after undergrad. And yeah, from that point, I you know applied to PT school, took the GRE, 
worked and I got accepted, had a few months to enjoy with traveling and uh, working. And then, and then I started in May of 2018. So that's a little bit about my PT school journey. And Sarah. Yes. <laughs> and then, so we'll do our individual. And then if you still wanted to know like how we met, uh, yeah. we can include that as well. So let's see, where do I even start? Um, <laughs> my name's Sarah. Hello, everybody. I went to undergrad. I grew up in Akron, Ohio. I went to undergrad and at the University of Akron. Go LeBron, as you all are probably hearing. Where is Akron? Nobody knows it except LeBron is there, was there, whatever. And oh, okay. <laughs> I took a uh, involuntary gap years. <laughs> I did not get accepted to PT school the first two tries. Well, I was denied from 18 schools and I was waitlisted for the same school two years in a row. So I gave up on PT the second time around when I was waitlisted again and I moved to a new state. I said, all right, I'm going to start a life here. And then four weeks before classes started, I got a call and um, was called off the waitlist. So I moved again <laughs> and um, started at Slippery Rock University in Pennsylvania, which is actually a small town. High Point is not a small town. Let's just get that out there. <laughs> There's a total of like 3,000 people who live in Slippery Rock um, until school starts, <clears throat> excuse me, and when school starts, 9,000 students swarm and take over the little town. So that's where I'm at now. I am a second year. I graduate May 2021. It is January 2020 as we're recording this, so it's crazy to say we graduate next year. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we're, yeah, so we're going into, do you guys do, you guys do tri-semesters where you are? Yeah, like go all year round. so yeah, we go year-round. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's, that's what we do too, so we'll be finishing, so we started last April. And we'll be finishing our, I think it classifies as your first year in like after we have our next two courses. So in like a few months, it's, it's just like a really weird how they have it laid out um, because we, we often go, um, we do, um, we like, we did our principles of physiotherapy. Um, we did our MSK one um, and then we went on one, yeah, principles physiotherapy, MSK one, cardiorespiratory, and then we went right on to two sets of placements. So we had three months of school before we went on to placements. Um, and then after that, it uh, we go on, we do two or three months of classes, um, and then go on to placements again. So it's it's kind of embedded into the the program. But um, in terms of my undergraduate degree, I actually graduated um, from Saint Francis Xavier University. Have you heard of Stain of X by any chance? Maybe. No. Have you heard of the X ring by any chance? No. Okay. Didn't think so. Um, so it's it's actually uh, it's a school in Nova Scotia, um, which is on the east coast of Canada. Um, and when you graduate, uh, I graduated from an undergraduate degree in kinesiology. Um, and when you graduate, you actually get an X ring, and this it's like the graduation ring of the school. Um, and they say it's the, the third most recognizable ring in the world. So they, that, yeah, the Pope's ring is number one, apparently. 
Super Bowl ring is number two, and then they add the X ring. So just a fun fact. What? Yeah, most, most people don't. Yeah. yeah, most people don't know about the X ring. If you Google it, you'll. It's they say it's like a cult type thing, and I would totally agree. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so that was my undergraduate degree, and then uh, um, similar to a lot of people, um, I didn't get accepted to. I think it was four or five schools and. Um, Canada for, for PT. And then um, a lot of people actually um, decide to go and study internationally. Um, and I, I thought that was a, I thought that was a decent option in terms of, um, I didn't want to let um, the decision of a, of a school kind of dictate what I wanted to actually do with my life in terms of um, a profession. So um, I gave it a shot and, and got accepted into an Australian school and um, it, it was quite a bit of a, a process in terms of chatting it over with my parents in terms of how are we going to make this happen in terms of money. It's, it's, it's a long, it's a, a lot of money to, to actually come over here and, and to do that. And I mean, they charge an international uh, fee too for, for students coming in, but um, that was besides the point. It's something I really wanted to do. And um, yeah, and then I ended up in Australia somehow, some way. Um, I'm now almost a year in a new country and yeah, so that's kind of my story and how I ended up across the, across the world. I still don't know why, uh, I still don't, I can't believe that I'm here every single day. It is kind of what I'm saying. That's so, insane. That's, that's my story. Um, so it's like, I think we're all in a little bit of the same, same boat. Like we kind of had um like a little bit of a, a story and a little bit of a, a process to get where we actually wanted to to be would you would you kind of agree with that oh yeah everyone has their yeah. process and it's yeah. so awesome to hear each other's unique story and and just the international uh going to pt school internationally is just it's so interesting to me and uh you're in Australia, I bet that's the moment, like you said, you have that moment, you're like, I'm actually here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, why don't you guys, so, you, you guys have a little, I think you guys have a little bit of a story of how the two of you met, because you're not actually in the same place, I have no clue how you have a podcast together, and <laughs> you guys seem like you've been best friends since you were two, two years old. <laughs> so just give me a bit of a rundown on on an, the wonderful story of how Gabby and Sarah the physiotherapy students met <laughs> yeah so Sarah do you want me to start it sure you can start it okay so back in September of 2018 I was just finishing my first semester of school and I you know on Instagram looked, there was a message on my DMs, and it said, hey, Gab's the SPT, and <laughs> it was great. I still love that, um, and so I saw that message from Sarah, and she had this idea of starting a podcast for PT students, and at the time, I was thinking about, you know, YouTube channel or, you know, something. I wanted to um, help PT students or pre-PTs at the time, and I was just like, yeah, this is a really, really cool opportunity, and so 
Sarah emailed me all the details of, you know, what it would be about. And uh, that was, let's see, in September. Yeah, that was in September of 2018. Lo and behold, we did everything online, all of our interviews, podcast episodes without meeting each other in person from September until January of 2019 when we met at a physical therapy conference called Combined Sections Meeting in Washington, D.C. And the rest is history. And here we are today. And here we are, less than a year after we've met. <laughs> Let's just put that into perspective um, for all of you who say, but I don't have anybody who would do anything with me. Um, bullshit. Let's just say that. <laughs> Because yeah, I literally true. reached out to random strangers, and Gabby was one of them. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like I keep telling people in my class and and everyone who who is like, you have a podcast. It's like, yes, I I do have a podcast. It's it's so easy to actually just to reach out to to people on social media, such as Instagram, which seems to be an amazing platform, um, and just ask if they want to chat about what they do um people love to talk about and but i don't want to say people love to talk about themselves but people love to talk about what they're passionate about um and it's it's as simple as i can message you guys we've never talked before but we have the same interests and same kind of what we're doing on on social media platforms and we can just have a general conversation and help people at the same time um so i i think i think it's quite easy in that manner to do so it just takes a bit of um kind of working in terms of um, how to work instagram and how to record a podcast but i mean technology makes things so easy now that it's it's so easy to do so um it doesn't surprise me that the two you met how you did um but what does surprise me is how quickly you guys have grown in just under a year um and uh before we kind of get into the main topic can you guys just quickly chat about um what's what's it called the, the new thing you guys actually just developed like a program type thing yeah. what's that called again yeah so, just talk about that for a second yeah we started a course for pt students um it's called the spt navigation system and it's to help other pt students get through school on their first try because as many of you know i don't know if this is how it is in australia we'll have to ask you mm -hmm. about this but yeah. um, about 10% of students do not make it through school on their first try. And that's PT school, that's not undergrad, that's grad school. And that's ridiculous. After all the years and money you spend in it and then not to make it is extremely frustrating, a waste of money and your time and your energy. Um, and then also being able to get through on your first try debt free because in America, what's the average debt for just grad school is about $140,000. Seems about right. And that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, in terms of, I think it's with any, any pizza school, like, I don't know specific statistics, but I mean, if you don't have a bit of direction and support and, um, and I mean, the work ethic, it, it's quite, you can, it's realistic, you can fail out um, in your, in your first year. And, and that's unfortunate, but, um, I guess with resources such as what you guys are building and, and what I'm kind of putting in terms of content, we both have the same mission. We're just trying to help in terms of, um, getting people through on their first time and making it as 
stress free as possible, mm-hmm. um, which makes a perfect segue. Yes, I love good segues. Um, so in terms of content that I wanted to kind of chat about today, and we, we can kind of both have a bit of a discussion about is, is the concept of physiotherapy student burnout. Um, and I was, what was I, I was listening to your, I don't know which one it was, one of your older podcasts yesterday. Um, and I mean, you guys have a recurring theme throughout your episodes um, where you talk about different ways to um, kind of de-stress on a day-to-day basis. Um, so just in terms of like off the top of your head, um, Gabby, how would you define burnout? Because I, mean, I feel like there's a million different definitions for it, but how would you personally define burnout? Yeah, burnout for me, I, I see it as just, you know, you're, you have, think of a gas tank and you're literally at E and that's what I think of, you know, your whole mental, emotional, physical, you are just, you're burned out. You're, you're on empty and it feels like you can't give anymore. And so it's really hard because it's really hard to dig, dig yourself out of it at, at that point, what it feels like. But that's how, would I, that's how I would define burnout is you are on empty and it affects all aspects of your life. And so it's everything. What do you think, Sarah? I would say burnout is when you've been doing the same thing for too long without any kind of external internal reward or like refueling, kind of like Gabby said, there's nothing to refuel you. You have nothing left to give. And that's what PT school does a lot of the times. You are giving and giving and giving absolutely everything you have with no real return in the moment. Yeah. And I mean, I agree with both of the things you said, and I would just add the component is there's a lack of motivation to, to, to just move forward. That that's personally when I feel at the point of, of burnout, there's just, there's a lack of lack of interest. There's a lack of motivation just to, to go tomorrow and give it all I got. But um, I think, I think it's, it's a very personal definition from how when just how someone describes burnout. I don't think there's one overall um, kind of overarching definition for it. Um, but it, can you guys think of any specific moments in your first year where you just you just completely felt like you were burnout um, and just kind of give a bit of example if you feel comfortable to do so? Yeah, I. I specifically know when I felt that burnout. And for me, that was in the first semester. I had personal family um, stuff come up halfway through in my first semester. And that was in the midst of anatomy. That was, you know, all these different classes. And at that point, I, I was struggling. And even towards the end of the semester, I knew, I was like, I feel you know, burnout, I, like Sarah said, giving and giving and, you know, not getting the test grades back that I, I thought, um, and just really feeling drained. And by the end of the first semester, I needed that break. We had 
really a week and a half <laughs> before we started the next semester. And after really reflecting on everything that happened and all of the factors that came into it, um, whether it was uh, something I could control or not control, I really had to take all that in into consideration and how I handled those situations so I can make sure I'm prepared if that ever did happen, you know, for semesters uh, after. And so that was a time for me that I was burnt out after first semester. And from that point on, I knew how to handle it. I knew when to recognize it. And that was my point. How long was your first semester? It was like how 14 or 15 weeks. Which is the equivalent to be like four months, three months-ish? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, all right, what do you think, Sarah? Any specific moments of thought that you can think of associated with burnout? Yeah, so midterms, first semester. I was on the plane back from the National Student Conclave, and I about just shit myself looking at all of the things I didn't do and I should have done before midterms. So I literally was on the plane back and I had midterms that next day and I had not studied enough. I hadn't studied much at all. <laughs> and that was the moment where I just completely panicked and felt like, why am I even doing this? Like, I'm not even smart enough or good enough or whatever or hardworking enough to get through like the rigor of this program. And making it through the last, it was really the last three weeks of the program because although they were midterms, they were not halfway through the semester. They were three weeks before the end of the semester. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> it made it worse because then you have midterms, then you have like a week off and you have finals. And it was horrible. <laughs> Never ever again would I want to do that. And it wasn't like that after the first semester, it was much better. Um, but going through that and losing five classmates um, due to grades in the first semester, one of them being my roommate, was extremely difficult for me because I got very close to those people and you know, you're not gonna see them. They're not in your class anymore. Not that they're gone forever by any means, but you know, it's so different when you have essentially kind of lost part of your cohort, lost part of your group. Yeah, I mean, I think the the part where I felt burnt out specifically um, here was it was after I think it was after our first five six week stretch um, that initial getting used to the pace of how how content is actually being presented to you um, and then trying to get used to a completely new country and and, and new environment and trying to figure out um, where the grocery stores are and how to find specific food in a grocery store because your usual stuff you eat in Canada doesn't exist in a new country. Um, and then you're, you're getting used to the, the full day of, of work and then, um, and then just towards the end of that block of, of class, um, having kind of an anatomy exam on Monday and then having um, one of the OSCEs on Wednesday and then having to written on Thursday. Um, I was just, I was just burnt out from the, I just think from the stress, but there was no kind of lack of motivation because I was still excited to be 
um, in physio school. Um, but I think like as as we all kind of chat about our our burnout experiences, I guess um, I think what we all have in common is that um, we've learned from that experience specifically, and then it's gotten better over time. So like if anyone was listening to this podcast for the first time and was thinking of going into PT school, um, it's not all horrible and stressful at all times. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's just um, putting a bit of personality to to our experiences. I think it's important to kind of set the reality of, yeah, PT school is hard work, um, but it's it's probably one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. And, and, I, and I think you guys would, would agree as well. So, um, so yeah, but... It just in terms of if you could give like three steps that lead up to one's burnout, um, what would those be? What do you think, Gabby? Okay, so three steps that lead up to burnout. I would say one of them is lack of sleep because if you're not sleeping and you are going through a full day of class on little sleep, you can't, your brain can't process the information that's coming at you, the immense information that's coming at you, and then going home to study for the rest of the night, I would say sleep is the number one thing that goes along with stress. Because if you're stressed that you're not sleeping, then <laughs> those two, it's just, you know, those two together, it's just a disaster. And then um, I would say the third thing is just like lack of, and we all, we all do this um, especially when you're feeling burnt out, not motivated, um, is just like moving your body, exercising, because that just gets brush brushed off to the side because you're stressed out, you can't sleep, and you have no energy to work out. So I would say all of those things together are steps to lead to burnout and figuring out how to recognize that, especially when you know you're not yourself and there's a little voice inside of you saying, this is not me. This is me, like, <laughs> this is me in survival mode. And so exactly. I would say those are the three things that lead to burnout. Or, yeah. Yeah. Sarah, is there any other ones that you can think you can add to that? I would add two main things. So one being your suffering in silence. And the second being your perspective. So as soon as you can, first and foremost, have people around you that you can actually talk to, not just people who are going to say, oh, my day's been great. How is yours? Oh, my day's been great too. And move along on their day. <laughs> That's not going to yeah, help exactly. you at all. And as soon as you are able to kind of take a bird's eye view on what is going on in your own life, look at the rest of the world, look at other people, look at what your future is going to be once you get past this hump, then you're able to kind of help overcome the burnout. And if you don't do that, that's going to lead to the burnout. The sooner you can just open up a little bit, it'll be a lot better. Yeah. And I think the second thing you said was um, talking about perspective. Uh, that's, that's the biggest killer for me. Um, I can tell you that it's there's some points during the semester where you, you just don't have any confidence in yourself and and you can't see the end of the the light at the end of the tunnel which is two weeks ahead it's it's it, 
having that positive perspective at that moment um, that I think is has been super important for me to do or at least try to do most of the time. Um, but I think that's probably one of the most important things in terms of um, specific steps that lead to burnout is not having that um, positive perspective on what you're actually doing. Um, so in terms of now, I was listening to, I feel like I'm your guys' number one fan because I was listening to your podcast all day yesterday. Um, but in terms of one of the things you guys were talking about um, or multiple things were just about different strategies to actually um, combat burnout. And one of the, I think Gabby, you were chatting about um, the app called Headspace, um, which I, I've, I've used before. Um, and I didn't get the full thing because it cost too much money. Um, but I know in the U.S. you can actually get the student fee, um, which is pretty sweet. I think it's like 10 bucks a year or something. Um, so can you just tell the audience a bit, Gabby, about kind of what Headspace is and how you used it or how you still use it? So Sarah, we, so we both use different um, yeah. apps. Uh, Sarah uses yeah. Headspace primarily, and I use another app called Calm, which they're probably very similar, and we are not sponsored. Right. Um, but they are, <laughs> they are great. But Sarah, uh, if you want to talk about Headspace. So Headspace is a meditation app that you can use for a lot of different things. What I personally use it for is two main things. One, to sleep. They have great sleep casts. They're called sleep casts, or you can put on a sleep radio and listen to the ocean as you fall asleep if you're not by the ocean. <laughs> um, and two, for focus. So they have a lot of different short, like five or 10 minute meditations for students. There's focus ones, there's dealing with distractions, there's stress, um, and a lot more. And it doesn't take a lot of time but those couple minutes in the morning really make a huge difference um, for your whole day. Yeah, and then Gabby, I think Calm, I've used Calm before. It's, it's, I think it's pretty well the same thing. Um, I think what's similar with both those apps is, I mean, there's, there's free versions and the free versions, you can still do a couple things um, and just practice the kind of the concept of, of meditation um, kind of in that manner. And I think, like what the idea with both of those apps in terms of combating burnout is um, often when, when I'm in a state of burnout, um, it's like, like I can't stop the, the voices in my head. Like it, it's like, um, oh, what if this goes wrong? What do I have to do tomorrow or what do I have to do next? Um, what it teaches you to do is, is to not try to block out what you're trying to say in your head, but to acknowledge the thoughts, pass them to the side, and then focus yourself back onto whatever the um, whatever the kind of what it's the waves or or the sound of trees or, or something like that, um, and that's kind of the idea. And it, it's supposed to or it's helped me kind of just um, calm your mind down, reduce a bit of the stress, and then kind of kind of move on with your day. Um, so that's I think that's the concept with with both of that, and and I do use it for sleep as well. Um, I usually try to find like a really, really, really boring podcast about like politics or something that I have no clue what they're talking about. Um, I pop that on for about a 30 minute timer and then I usually last about 15 minutes and I don't remember anything 
that podcast actually said. <laughs> so that's usually how I how I use those two apps. Um, but Gabby, do you have any other kind of things you could do to combat burnout or anything like that? Yeah, I would say, like we have talked about, opening up and surrounding yourself with the right people because if you're constantly surrounded by negative people and that could be in your cohort, that could be your parents, your friends, then that is just going to add to everything on your plate already. And so I would say opening up to someone who can understand and be a positive influence in your life because it's really hard when you're in that negative mindset and you know, you're having those thoughts of doubt, your motivation, your confidence is not there. But when you have someone to pull you back, like we've said, give you this perspective of saying, okay, you know, this is what I see what's going on and from what you're telling me. And I want to do everything I can to, to help you and, you know, dig yourself out of, where you are right now. And that's why it's so important to have these people in your life because they are going to be um, very impactful if you are going through this. And I mean, all of us can probably attest to having, you know, someone during that time when we felt burnout of, you know, pulling us back and saying, okay, like reset, this is what's going on. And just having you notice it, put it into perspective and thinking, oh my gosh, like, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not surrounding myself with the right people. I'm not, um, you know, doing great things for my physical, mental, emotional health, everything. So I would say that's a big thing. And for me personally, yeah, and, that helped me um, tremendously. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, our parents are great to chat to, um, but sometimes you just need that other perspective. Uh, and I, I think all parents know that it's, it's, yeah, we can chat with them sometimes, but sometimes you just want to hear someone else's voice. So exactly what you guys did, you guys are in two different locations, but you can bounce ideas off each other. And if you're in a stressful situation, one or the other can just kind of calm your mind down. And, and I think that's, that's so key is having that extra lifeline in your back pocket in case, in case you need that to, to combat burnout. Um, but I mean, I think one of the biggest things for myself or, or what I would recommend to, to combat burnout is, is very similar to your Gabby is, is just surrounding people with, surround yourself with people who, who are both supportive and are, are willing to help. Um, I, I think that can, can make the world of difference. Um, and I mean, being, I keep trying to go back being a completely new country. It's, it's hard because we're meeting um, a whole new group of people. Um, so half of our cohorts from Canada. So there's 60 people, 30 of them are from Canada. Uh, 20 of them are from, I would say like 15 to 20 of them from the States. A couple of them are from, uh, Australia. So like there's actually, I would say maybe like 25% of the cohorts from Australia. And then there's a couple from France and I think there's one from Bulgaria as well. Um, and, and I mean, finding that international kind of group of, of students that can, that can help you with um, any stressful situation has, has been a big help for me. But, um, but yeah, so I mean, 
everyone has their bit of kind of an individual way of, of combating burnout, but I think those are kind of two or three different ways that um, people can, can do that. Sarah, do you have any others to add or are you pretty happy with everything we said? I'm pretty content, but I will expand yeah. just a little bit on your support group because it can't be just one person. Your life, your lifeline or whatever is not just for one person because what happens if they need a lifeline? So having multiple people who you can truly rely on makes a world of a difference because I can tell you there are many times that Gabby and I both needed a lifeline and we could not be there for each other because we both were so swamped. And having lifelines outside of ourselves from other people, other groups, helped us to continue because without those people, we would not be here still. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, even as, even as much as going and, and having chats with your professors, like ones that you're, you're close with and just getting a perspective. I find that some professors are, I mean, in terms of in my school, I can, I trust pretty much all my professors because they're amazing people, but um, they almost give you like a realistic perspective of, of what you're currently going through. Um, so I, 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 I tell people like our students not to, not to be afraid to, to approach the professors that they feel um, comfortable um, going with. But I totally agree with what you were saying, Sarah, is, is having multiple lifelines because you never know. Um, multiple people may be going through, through different issues at the same time. Um, so yeah, and then in terms of, so, let's say so you're experiencing burnout and then um but you or actually you're you're happy you've got amazing marks um and you're living the dream in pt school but you notice your best friend is struggling she just almost failed her her oski and is now struggling and is not able to kind of get through the work how would you guys help this best friend individual and kind of picking them up um, from a tough situation. Why don't you start with that one, Gabby? Okay, so for me, I would tell this person, really, like we talked about, get it from a perspective of someone like an outside looking in. And um, especially if this friend failed, uh, you know, his or her OSCE and didn't know if they would pass the class or even pass the semester, I would say like really dig deep into your why. Why did you want to come to PT school and why do you want to be a physical therapist? Because during those times you really have to ask those questions of, okay, why am I here? What are the reasons why I'm here and I'm putting myself through this? And um, and really just you know, being there, being a supportive friend and whatever happens, like I, I'm here 100%. Um, and even having those tough conversations with this friend and saying, you know, we, we can have these conversations. You don't have to act <laughs> like you have this um, yeah. wall in front of you where if someone asks you, like Sarah said earlier, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. But on the inside, you're slowly just like deteriorating. Um, I would just say like, you have to be there for that person, whatever they need in that moment, because 
you might be the person and this could definitely happen like that you turn turn them around especially when it comes to PT school and all of this happens so that would be um, what I would tell my friend and the um, support I would give them all right Sarah what's your wonderful plan to help your best friend my wonderful plan <laughs> Um, first, I have a question for you. For all the American uh, PT students listening, did you say Aussie or Oski? What was it? How, what do you guys call it? Oh, Aussie. I don't know. What is it? Heard, so I have heard it be called Oski, which is a, yeah. a, simu a simulation, but we call it like practicals or competencies. So they're all. I think yeah, it's, it's all the same thing. Like it's O S C E. Um, it's oh. I'll look up what does it stand for? It's I should, yeah, o -S -C -E I don't know something stand. simulation. Uh stand for I it's something similar. It's so it's oh it's objective structured clinical examination. Um oh it has a I, I think I think it's similar in in Canada as well. They call it like we call it an OSCE. Um but I mean they could even call it like a competency. It's it's just allowing you to to understand um, that. So yeah, OSCE, O-S-C-E, no K. <laughs> All right, got it. Um, so in order to help your friend who has not done well in their OSCE, I would first and foremost lend them a hand, lend them a lifeline, lend them multiple lifelines, not just from you, and kind of get them out of their own head. So like Abby said, get that bird's eye view so they can almost be observing what is happening to them and they can kind of take it as it comes and find peace in what's happening, but still striving to be better and still striving for help, still striving to learn from all of this experience that they're having right now. Because I almost failed out first semester and it sucked. And I had a lot of classmates who failed out. And the best thing you can do is simply ask them how they're doing. And if they say, I'm fine, look them in the eyes and say, how are you really doing? And if they break down, then give them a hug and move yeah. forward. Yeah. It's, I think as a, I think it's unfortunate with, with any grad program, whether it be PT, OT, med, there's this kind of theme that, um, at least I think there's this theme that you're not allowed, like you, you just have to push through and you just have to, um, like you're gonna feel stressed and you're gonna feel uncomfortable and, and there's almost this like, like stress is encouraged and, and this idea that, I, I'm trying, I had a thought in my head, I'm trying to kind of wrap it around, but there's, there's this stressful theme to grad school that almost has a negative connotation to it um, that I think we can kind of switch around in terms of, yeah, you're experiencing a bit of stress, that's normal, um, but just having that support group to kind of combat that stress a bit is how you can handle that. So don't try to push through the stress um until you get to the point of burnout but rather tackle the stress when it's happening and that's the idea i was trying to say <laughs> yes i got to it <laughs> um cool so um in your most recent podcast you guys talked about um 
it was kind of your last podcast of the of the new year and I thought I'd kind of ask um ask you guys whether it's associated with stress relief um tips and and doing well in school or anything can you kind of think of uh three tips that you would tell students in the new year to rock their next semester and and do really well Gabby why don't you start with your amazing information tips (laughs) yeah so three tips I would say one be aware be aware if you feel like like we've been talking about um if you feel like burnout's happening and if it is then know the steps to take uh to not let that go further, especially if you are experiencing the very beginnings of it and you know yourself uh, and you will know when that is. Uh, and it, it really comes to light in the worst times with stress and anxiety and lack of sleep. So first of all, be aware. Um, I would say second, have, like we've, it's a very common theme, have these people around you who are really gonna be there for you in all times. Like the really great times in PT school when you're on top of the world, you're really confident, you've done really well on your exams, you're like, things are clicking. And then the times that you're, you might fail an exam or a quiz and you're, you're doubting yourself, you're feeling that imposter syndrome. So I would say um, have the right people around you, have multiple lifelines as we've talked about. and Um, and third, I would say just be confident because we all, at, I feel like at some point in our, in PT school, we all feel like, um, we don't belong and we don't feel as though we should move forward. And so I would say, um, really mindset is going to be key when it comes to this. And so really working on your mindset and that may include personal development, that may include meditation. So all of those things combined will really set you off really well to start off your semester strong and start out the new year strong. Yeah, what do you, anything you can add, Sarah? I would say, first and foremost, listen to your body, listen to your mind, and those kind of go hand in hand in finding how you learn. So listen to your body as it's reacting to the stress that's happening around you, whether you realize it or not, your body knows and listen to your mind and give yourself those five or 10 minutes of introspection of watching the thoughts as they go by and just acknowledging them, noting them and, kind of letting them go. And in all of that, you will find how you study. And I know that may sound a little silly to some people, but you have to know yourself in order to find how you study best and how you learn best. Yeah, I agree with what you guys are both saying. It's one of the things I I think is there seems to be a lot of um, like pre-PT students on Instagram I, apparently that's a thing where people make a pre-PT Instagram page, which I didn't really know that was a thing. Um, but for anyone listening that uh, is kind of going into physio school or is, is up and coming and, and applying and stuff like that, 
I think one of the biggest things to student success is to, to finding um, some specific mentor in the actual field itself. Um, so I had, um, when I finished my undergraduate degree, I worked um, in a physiotherapy clinic as a um, kinesiologist. I think you guys call it physiotherapy aide, physiotherapy assistant, whatever you want to call them. Um, and I worked under um, a physiotherapist by the name of Rob Landers. And he was, uh, um, he has his company called ABC Physiotherapy, which stands for Any Body Consulting Physiotherapy, which is actually quite a clever name. Um, but so I worked under him for two years and completely just switched my gear in terms of what I wanted to do with my life in terms of um, physiotherapy and, and kind of writing down notes each day or each week and um, of what I've learned on, on that week. So keeping some type of mental journal or actual physical journal is, is, is really key for that. But uh, more importantly is finding that mentor to actually um, kind of give you an idea of what the profession's like. And then when you do get into PT school, um, everything is just going to click. Like it's, it's the most rewarding feeling ever um, to, to kind of just start filling in the shoes of, of what your mentor does as a physiotherapist um, after being kind of that under your under his wing person for for quite a while so our mentorship is key keeping a journal or like a physical or mental journal is i think one of the best things to student success so that would be my uh knowledge for the day um cool so this is i think this is probably one of my favorite podcasts i've done so far um i just think the knowledge you guys have in terms of um kind of the content you're actually providing and, and just the way you guys present things is amazing and I love it. Um, so thanks for, for coming onto the podcast. And also it was a great experience for me to be on your guys' podcast since we're doing a two-way thing. Um, but yeah, so what did you guys think of the podcast? Oh man, I loved it. And I have a, I have a question for you. I know many yeah. of our listeners, including ourselves, want to know more about physiotherapy school in Australia. So Gabby, I'll let you say whatever you're going to first before we dive into that. That was my sure. question. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. So laid out. How are your semesters? Yeah. What did you take in the beginning? And when are your clinicals? Yeah, so we, um, we start in, it was in June. I think it was June. I started in June of 2000. And what's the year? It's, it is 2000. And, 19 now. No, it's 2000, it was 2019, 2020 now, but I started in April, June of 2019. Um, you then do um, your principles of physiotherapy course, which is um, five or six weeks. Um, you then do, um, so that's, you just do one course at a time. So you do physiotherapy, um, which is a five weeks intensive course. Um, you then have a couple days break. You then do um, your um, MSK or musculoskeletal one. Um, so you just do that single course by itself. So that's for five weeks. Um, you then go into the cardiorespiratory physiotherapy um, course. Um, that's for five weeks. Um, and again, that's just by itself. Um, and then you have a bit of a break. And then you go on to five weeks of, of placement. Um, specifically whether it be in a cardiorespiratory theme 
or um, an MSK theme. So you do five weeks of one of those and then you do five weeks of another. And then that's where, that's where I'm up to now too. So it's what they kind of did with this program over at, at Bond University, which is in the Gold Coast of Australia, which is on the East Coast of the, of the country, um, is for our year, they actually, they embedded the clinical placement. So you, you learn your content and then you go and you actually practice it. Um, and I think that was a, that was a huge kind of tipping point for me as I wanted to, to learn the concept and then be put into the actual practical application. Um, and I know in Canada, they, they, they don't do it that way. Um, they, they have a, a few kind of embedded short week placements. Um, but usually you do like a, a solid chunk of classwork and then you go into placement. Um, in my opinion, I, I think I'd forget a few things um, if I haven't done cardiorespiratory in, let's say, four months. So um, that's how they developed the program um, over here. So it's it's kind of that embedded concept. And I think the states is the same from what you guys were saying. Is, is that right? Kind of. So some schools yeah. do that. Some schools do one class at a time. It's more rare than what most programs do. Most programs, they're 15 weeks of intense class, about 18 or 19 credits. So it's about five classes, all with labs at the same time for 15 weeks. Um, not the most fun experience. <laughs> and then Gabby, so you're, so Gabby, talk about yours first, because yours is different than mine. And when you have MSK and when you go on your rotations and like your split semester setup. Yeah, so with my program, in our first two semesters, we went through anatomy and did all of that. And then second semester, they started us out in MSK, and we just learned the upper extremity. And then after that, third semester is what we call a split semester. And we have seven weeks of class and seven weeks of being in the clinic. And so for me, I had my clinical first. And so that was the first seven weeks. And at that point, I had only known MSK1, which was all the upper extremity. I didn't take MSK2. So uh, I was able to apply everything that I've learned thus far to where after my clinical and getting into uh, lower extremity MSK, I was able to relate it back to some of the patients that I um, saw and some of the cases. And so we do those split semesters uh, semester three, five, which I had just had mine, um, in the hospital. So acute care. Uh, I don't know if that's very similar to CVP rotation for you, Simon, but, uh, I just finished and then I'll start 15 weeks of class again. And another split semester will be, uh, in the summer. So they're integrated within our curriculum. Yeah, and I think that's a uh, that integration of, of placements is key. But um, yeah, mo most of our placements would be in a our first two placements would be in a uh, a hospital setting. Um, so I mean, for my cardiorespiratory placement, I would be like I was on like a cardiac ward and a general surge ward. Um, so so I was, and then for my MSK one, um, I. I actually got to travel and go up north Australia to a place called um, Cairns. 
and uh, it's kind of a, a rural setting hospital, but um, I was on the orthopedic ward there. Um, so that was quite a, an interesting experience, but, um, but yeah, so that's kind of how the, the program works with us. And, and I mean, I, the five weeks of doing a single course, it feels like you're doing multiple courses at the same time. Um, so, I mean, there's embedded labs, there's embedded resources. They, they bring in extra professionals and do, um, different types of, different types of, uh, topics. So it's, it feels like there's multiple courses in the same five weeks. So like when you guys talk about split semesters, um, I think it's actually a, a quite a similar concept um, in that manner. So I guess that's, that's how they do it over here in Australia, apparently. Yeah, that's really interesting. And yeah. um, Sarah, what a, how does your program integrate clinicals? Yeah, so many PT programs have kind of like yours, Gabby, where it's seven weeks at a time and then you're two long terms. So for us, we did a weird two-week clinical um, after our first year before we had any MSK. So I stayed with Gabby in that time. <laughs> I lived with Gabby for those two weeks. And so that was fun. <laughs> and then so I'm, I just started, today was my first day of my second rotation, which is five weeks long. That's why you're that wearing means, this shirt. Huh? I was wondering yeah, why you're wearing, you wearing your clinical place, and I thought you were like going to do a night shift in the hospital or something. No, I just got back. <laughs> um, and so it's not actually five full weeks because we go back February, whatever, the first week of February. It's like four weeks and two days because we started the day after New Year's Day, which is weird. But then we had two long-term 15-week rotations. So I'm done with classwork July 17th, and then we go 15 weeks at one place, a little bit of a break, 15 weeks at another, and then we're done. Nice. So it's a little weird. But Simon, how long is your program total? It's it, So it's the way I would, I would explain it. So it, it's two full years, but like in undergraduate, you typically have like uh, two semesters is equal to one year. So now it's in DPT, it's, it's six semesters, which is actually the equivalent to three years of school, but you're doing it only two years. Um, and that's going all year round. And then you have your, your largest break um, uh, during December, um, which is like, it would be four or five weeks. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 I think exactly similar to you guys. It's just, um, for the difference in terms of those who are in, in Canada, it's, they don't do the, um, I, right now they're not, it's not a doctor of physical therapy. Um, but I think eventually, um, once all of the kind of admin stuff and they figure out how they're going to do it, it's eventually going to move to a DPT. Um, so they, they do it in two years, but there's a, um they don't necessarily go to classes in the summer but they do uh, a placement so they're not going they don't have tri-semesters um so, but rather they just have um similar to, similar to undergrad it's um they do a winter like a fall semester then a winter semester then they have a bit of a break while they do clinical placement and then they go into their second year so they would start in september and then end probably in June or April. Um, 
similar to when like high school students would, would do it. So, um, so yeah, that's how long it is over here in Australia. Cool. And so just to yeah. clarify, so in Canada, it's not a DPT. So if somebody is going to school in Canada, they could not work in the United States. Um, correct. Yeah. Yeah. You would be correct. It's like, I can go from, I can go from Australia and go back to Canada, write the practical exam and the written exam. And then the, I can be practicing in both countries if I wanted to. The, the thing with Australia is that there's no board exam when you graduate. So once you're done, um, physio school in Australia, you can work right away. It's because they, they, they basically have that testing embedded into the program. So if you're not passing the stuff in your program, then you probably shouldn't be a practicing physiotherapist. Whereas um, I know in the States and in Canada, you have to write that extra test. So um, that's actually quite positive for me because I can, when I'm done, I can work here for, for a while. And it's quite easy to apply for a visa, working visa to stay here and make money. Um, so then I could go back, I could write the exam in Canada, um, and then I can decide where I want to work. Um, but yeah, if I wanted to work in the States, um, because I have a doctor of physical therapy, um, the transition would be actually be quite, quite easy. Um, whereas I, I don't know the process of how you would do that as a, um, as a physiotherapist in Canada to the States. I'm sure there's some sort of way you could do it. I just, I just don't know how you would do it because I, when I talk about people to say I'm doing a doctor of physical therapy versus a master's of physical therapy, I guess you can call it. I, I don't necessarily see there being a significant difference um, in terms of the, how well someone is, is going to be for as a physiotherapist. But I just think as a doctor of physical therapy, um, you have a, a bit more of a, a general knowledge in terms of, of, of what you're doing. And, um, and like I said, I think, I think Canada is going to be actually moving towards that. Um, it's just, I think it's a quite a, a long process to actually transition the program from a master's to a doctorate. And in the end, it actually adds a year on to their program too. So do people really want to, um, spend that extra money and do that too? So, um, so yeah, that's, that's the doctor thing, I guess. It's weird saying doctor of physical therapy. I, I still classify myself as like a physical therapist or a physiotherapist. Um, but I think it's, I think we do need to give ourselves credit and having that in front of our names um, because of the amount of work we're actually doing um, to get there. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And for all the listeners out there, it's really great to hear your experience and just how you're in PT school, physio school, and just the, the common, you know, there's a lot of um, commonalities, but then also differences. So that's really cool that you are, um, you're in Australia, you know, practicing to be a doctorate of physical therapy and yeah, it's really exciting. Um, but what do you know where you want to go? Or I should say, do you know what setting you want to practice in after you are? Finished? Yeah, I mean, when I, 
before I came into to physio school, I, I had this idea that I kind of wanted to work in, in a sort of um, outpatient private practice. Um, after having two full clinical placements, um, I'm thinking a, a hospital setting may be kind of the way I'd, I'd want to go. Um, specifically, I haven't gotten a chance to, but I really, really want to work with the pediatric population. Um, so those placements are up and coming, which I'm super stoked about. Um, so I'm either going to confirm my love for that or I'm going to really not like it. So I'm just waiting for that. Um, but I think a hospital setting is, is, is great because you have all of the MD team members or the multidisciplinary team members at your fingertips, um, which I think is, is really, really, really important. Um, I don't necessarily think I want to want to work on an orthopedic ward um, right now. That may change in a few months. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think the pediatric population is it's just such a fun way of doing things. The way I look at it is if I can make an impact with a kid, um, let's say that is six, seven years old, um, that's quite a significant impact that I'm going to make when they're 18, 19 years old. Um, so that's, that's the population I want to work with, or I'm hoping I want to work with. Um, so we'll, we'll see. And I mean, I'm going into my neuro course in a couple in actually next week. Um, so, <laughs> so we're gonna, I'm hoping that I can love neuro, love pediatrics, and then combine the two and, and work in a concept of, of working with individuals with disabilities and, and being a physio in that way. So that's my process right now. That's what I want to do. Um, as you guys know, physio school can change your, uh, your thought and what you actually really like and what you want to do. So, um, my thought process is still, um, still in the works, but it's, it's getting clearer and clearer every month. Very cool. And two more questions. I know we're putting you yeah. on the spot now, but <laughs> what's okay. the biggest transition from Canada to Australia? That's the first question. And the second question, yeah. what made you want to start? the podcast um so in terms of the transition i mean whether you're in australia you're in antarctica or whatever you're and you're doing a grad school um i, I think the trend it's going to be hard work regardless um i think it was just the the pace at which content um was being presented was the was the toughest part um as well as the the idea that they're not going to give you necessarily all the information when you're in class but they're expecting you to find the information on your own time. Um, so that was the, the two transition points is, is being kind of um, doing work on your, on your own a lot of the time without necessarily giving that direction um, at the same time as just the pace at which they presented content um, was quite eye-opening at the beginning, but again, you get used to it um, as you're, Kind of semesters go on uh, and in terms in terms of why I wanted to start the podcast um, I, I think one of the biggest things was um, I think you guys talked about it in your podcast that I was listening to yesterday it's like the fourth time I've said that um, that you would rather hire a PT who has um, this experience in terms of marketing and, and creating content um, and this idea of helping other people with digital resources. So 
Um, I felt that was going to be an asset to have in my back pocket in future, future times. But um, that was just kind of an added benefit to the podcast. And the real reason why I wanted to start it um, was first of all, to put myself out of my comfort zone. So, I mean, coming onto a podcast is quite, quite a confronting thing to do. Um, but it's, it, it's an excuse to try to meet new people and, and just practice your ability to interview because physiotherapists interview every day. So if I can get comfortable in, in, in doing that, I think it was going to be really beneficial. Um, and while at the same time, a podcast can reach a lot of people very easily um, and can be, be quite helpful. So those are the reasons why I started the actual podcast itself. Um, and I don't know, I just love it. It's, it's just, I keep telling you, it's an easy thing to do. Just put a bit of effort in, reach out on Instagram to people who are, who are like-minded. And in most cases, they'll be willing to talk to you, which is a wonderful thing, I think. That is incredible. And you're right. Any of you can start a podcast and you all know if you've been listening to both of our podcasts, then you know, like you can, you can do this. And just with your, your interview skills, your speaking skills, and you can go all the way back. Like you have to start somewhere, but just seeing your transition and the just so many people who you can talk to and hear their stories. It's just, it's been one of my favorite parts of, um, of, you know, doing our podcast and it's really rewarding. This is what gets, um, us through studying and school because, and you too, like if we didn't have this, then it would, I think school would look a lot different. No, I, I totally agree. It's, it's, I get, I get, it's just such an, it's an easy thing to do. It, like, and like you guys have said multiple times, it's, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's, it's not an easy thing to do in the first couple of times, um, but it, it does get easier and it's, it gets better and it, it just provides, it's almost like it's a time where you can be productive in conversation and not having to study, but at the same time, you're kind of furthering your ability to, to become a, a good interviewer and a, and a good physical therapist, so. And it can be scary, but here we are. And there you are. I just, yeah. I think it's so crazy. Canada to Australia, like what are the actual differences in the location? So for example, we have a lot of people who move from the Midwest where it's cold all the time to like Southern California. That's kind of the transition I'm imagining. It's similar to. Yeah, it's so right now. Um, so I typically... FaceTime my mom usually every night. It just keeps me grounded. And I think everyone should do that. Please call their mom. Your moms want to hear from you. Um, but yeah, so I typically ask her what the, what the weather is. And it's currently right now raining, snow, um, cold. It's, yeah, it's, it's a whole new ball game over there right now. Um, and then here we're actually going through quite a significant heat wave. Um, so it's, 30 to 35 degrees every day um, and you're typically not getting any rain. Um, so that's, that's the, the living environment is I'm going from, and I mean, I'm used to it now cause I've been here for almost a year. Um, but going from that four or five months of being cold in Canada to then being hot in summer. Now it's hot all year around here. But what's interesting is that right now um, I'm currently in my summer 
and the winter is opposite. So the winter is actually when your guys' summer starts. So they, they, they have that flipped around. So the, the climate environment is, is quite hot. Um, but what's interesting is the, the, the people and the professionals and everyone that are, that are here, it's, it's quite an easy transition from, from Canada to Australia. And they're very similar personalities. And I would actually say the same thing about um, individuals from the States and going to Australia. Um, it's, the culture is quite, quite easy um, and, and quite similar. So um, that's the kind of societal component to it. Um, living in environments, there's no basements really in Australia, apparently. Um, apparently that's not a thing. Um, AC is a luxury, but I'm very happy to have it. Um, and the universities are amazing here. Um, the educate, like the, the professors, um, and just the way they, they have the campus laid out. I, I don't know. It's, it's amazing. Um, and I don't know, I, I kind of feel at home now. It was, it was a bit of a struggle for the first couple of months. Um, but now it's, I, I'm a bit used to it now. And I guess I'm just looking forward to, uh, starting next week after, um, my four week break. So that's kind of the, the living environment of Australia. Oh, and we're on multiple beaches where I am. So you can walk 15 minutes and you can walk the coastline for hours and, and be on a beach. So that's a, that's, that's the plus too, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty nice. That's really cool that you have beaches by you. And what has been your favorite uh, adventure that you've gone on in Australia? Yeah, so um, as I was talking about earlier, I went on, a, so in clinical placements, we have the, the choice to actually travel um, to different areas. So um, some people could travel to Sydney, Australia. Um, some people can travel to um, Melbourne, Australia. Some people can travel up north to a place called Cairns. So that's C-A-I-R-N-S. Um, and they call that the tropical north of Australia. Um, it is very hot, 35 to 40 degrees pretty much every day. And there's little to no wind, but we are on the water. So that's nice. Um, but so that clinical placement up there, um, we did an interesting thing where we work eight days on and then we have um, five or six days off. So it was like shift work. So on those five to six days off, my, my, uh, my friend um, Bio, who is also in my program, um, we went, actually with myself, um, a friend of mine, Bio, um, and a couple others, Mackenzie and Paige, um, we went on a, uh, a waterfall circuit. So um, up north, there's quite a lot of waterfalls where you can, if you're willing to drive to the location, um, you can find some pretty amazing waterfalls. So um, on the day off, we went this really, really windy road um, up to what's called the Tableland. So you have to like drive up this huge hill because um, Australia is basically, uh, it's, it's basically two slopes and then you drive up those two slopes and then you have tabletop. Um, so to get up there is this really windy road. And then we found the, um, the I guess the waterfall circuit. So you'd hit one, um, you'd swim in that waterfall, you'd go to the next one, it'd be a completely different waterfall and you'd kind of explore that. And then you would go um, to the next one as well as, so, I mean, I was quite fortunate to, to, to travel up um, north and 
experience those those waterfalls was probably one of the coolest things I've ever done. Um, and and yeah, and then I, I went surfing the other day. Um, that was <laughs> that was quite a task, but um, my knees are sore and my body is aching. But uh, yeah, so those are the two experiences that I've had so far that I loved that you don't often get to do in a in another country. I think that's really awesome. And we just want to say thank you so much for coming on our podcast and letting us come on your podcast <laughs> and yeah. having this podcast trade. Yeah, it's, I mean, podcast trades are awesome, but um, again, you guys are amazing. Keep making the content you're making and maybe we'll have a chat here in the next few months and have a bit of an update and see how we're doing and um, kind of uh, kind of go from there. Definitely. It was so awesome talking with you, Simon, and we enjoyed it so much. So thank you and keep up what you're doing. We're so excited to see what 2020 brings and yeah, we'll definitely have to keep in touch. As always, thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can actually follow me on Instagram at the PT Student Compass. And this is where you will find all of the podcast announcements and also free downloadable school resources that can help you with PT school. And as always, if you have any questions or you'd like to like to have a bit of a discussion, please message me on Instagram and I'd be more than happy to have a chat with you.